Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Bench Units podcast. Uh, I'm James McSorley and I'm finally joined by Mark Schofield. This episode is a little bit later than it normally is. We're planning to get these out early on a Monday morning, but we ran into some technical issues this morning, being that the piece of technology that failed us was Mark's alarm clock. Or you could say that we had technical issues in that Mark was technically asleep when we were meant to be doing this. You know, whichever's funnier. But yeah, Mark, how's it going? Good morning. It's, How'd you sleep? It's good, thanks, man. I feel refreshed. It's funny. I like. I literally, even though I'm only joking, me giving you abuse for this feels bad, considering every time we've just not done this for more than a two week period, it's just been my fault. So, <laughs> but I've got a window of like ten minutes before where you're like, right, he's not shown up. I'm going out on my own on this one. Imagine. I, I was. I was kind of glad that you like you eventually like you woke up about three seconds after we probably could have still cranked it out but i'm glad that happened rather than me being like do i go back to sleep or not yeah and also like i just love anytime i know some people are like no i'd rather this not happen but i'm such a fan of waking up and then be like oh no i don't actually have to do this thing bedtime yeah like absolutely but anyway talking about things that we have to do let's talk about wheelchair (laughs) basketball another another good weekend of games there's been a bit more distance now on account of this being monday afternoon so let's see if that gives us any more insight or if we've just forgotten what happened and speaking of having forgotten what happened do you want to kick off with bilbao and malaga because i believe you might have been there for this one yeah, I was there and I was watching more than half of it. So I've gone back and watched the bit that I played in and I've already been watching the bit live that I didn't play in. So, yeah, man, uh, came into this game. Obviously, we are still without our two, two and a halves. We have a couple of other people that weren't there for different things. So we kind of brought uh, eight players down, which was, we knew it was going to be tough because I also think Malaga have been really good this season in stretches. Like they've beaten Alunion, they've looked very good. And yeah, we managed to pull it out, which was cool. We had, we started four big and Mariana, as we have done the last couple of games, but just sort of at the end of the third, Gemma, I mean, Daniel got thrown out for two unsportsman likes. The second of which I didn't even see while I was on the floor. Like I, I couldn't see what they called. Never mind that it was an unsportsman. Like there was also another file that I just remembered that one ref called it off an, an offensive and another ref called it on sportsman, like on the defense in the same <laughs> play. Cause they were like offensive. The ref was like, mm, I don't think so. But I just kind of went on a ref's thing there when that's not what I was going for. Um, we had we had a request for some ranting about referees, but we're on the clock for this episode. I don't know if we're going to be able to squeeze it in. We'll have to keep it in the bank for future. No, uh, let, yeah, let's not bother. We were up one at halftime. They were pressing quite a lot, and their press looks really good because they've got a, a handful of young, very quick guys, and they've got length and speed in the same sort of lineups, and they can also keep Abdi on the floor and press, which is good news because then you have Abdi on the other end of the floor as well which is always a good thing to have. But yeah, man, we managed to go out, go out there and get the job done, which was nice. That was really it. Like, go down there. Because, I don't know, Malaga are the sort of team that, well, they've already beaten someone big. And I was like, mm, let's not add to that list. Yeah. Because, you know, some good. of these teams have like two or three statement wins in a season to kind of announce themselves. And I was like, let's not do that. But big game from Hasso, 23. Yeah, Chuck. Chemo was really good up until the point where he got chucked out as well. 
I don't know what it is about your guys' games, but any time you're like shorthand, like when you guys played the Lunion and you didn't have Asia for most of the game, Chema was like, hey, do we have enough guys on the court to get me behind the screen on the right wing and get me the ball? Because if so, I can handle most of the rest. Yeah, he's great from there. Also, Asier, triple-double again, um, 12, 10, 17 assists. Yeah, no, Chema's, Chema's great. I really, really like that lineup. I obviously, obviously like the other one that was on the floor because I'm in it. But yeah, North Forbig yeah. is is doing the job and holding it down, um, doing the business while we're missing our two fives. And yeah, not a whole lot else to say about that. Malik will look good. Pete Guzak came out firing early yeah. on. And he hit his first four, I think. And I was like, oh, no, we might have <laughs> some difficulties here. But managed to sort of quieten that down, which yeah. was nice. Um, yeah, Pete played well, man. And um when we had Mariska on last week and you said you were worried about a potential Abdi breakout game, you managed to stop that from happening? Yeah, well, we kind of made it a point of focus to yeah. not let Abdi get off. And there were a couple like in the scramble late in the game that they'd get a man out and we'd be getting back and you kind of try and protect the basket first thing and then you realize that it doesn't really ma- matter where Abdi is if the ball's in his hands, it's probably going up and it might go in. Uh, yeah, so we kind of lost him a couple of times, but... Yeah, they made a decent push to try and take it off us near the end, but managed to pull it out. Yeah, I think... Um, to say, big, long journey, horrible bus back, and I'm still very <laughs> tired. So glad to get the win. And I'm the one who overslept. Yes. Um, I don't, This is my only remaining thought from this game, but you've now had a game where your four big lineup has allowed you to quieten down Andre Macek and Abdi in consecutive games. Is there another sweet shooting one that you're looking to shut down at some point soon? I don't uh, there is another I don't, one. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure how many Abdi's and uh, Matjaks there are floating around, but uh, yeah, man, they do a really good job, which is impressive to say a four big lineup does so well out in the perimeter. But yeah, yeah, well, I think a lot of it is like, or it looked like when there's the shooting threat, who's the low? It's like, hey, Mariana, jump this guy and. Stay if, there. Yeah. If Send he them inside. We don't care. Yeah. We're all in here waiting. Yeah. That is the strength of the four big lineup. And it's kind of just the ability to like not have to completely bend yourself out of shape to help because yeah. you've got so much height going on. You can just jump with someone and send everyone inside. Yeah. yeah big fan of it. All right. Shall we move on? We shall. I'm going to have to let you take the lead on this one because I, if I go off on Vitalid again, I'm probably going to be in trouble for harassment or something. It's yeah. There's not a whole lot to be shout out to Yelma. Yeah, there's not a whole lot to be said here, man. They're not. They just don't have the quality. Like they don't. Ruggieri shot pretty well. Shot fifty percent on eighteen shots, man. Like that's not bad. Yelmer four from seven. Quite game from him. But yeah, Madiba. Madiba looked very good because it's they are very good on everyone's back again, which is super nice. Madiba shot sixty five percent and also got ten more shots up. Twelve more shots up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like they doubled your percentage almost and also got more shots up than you. Yeah, yeah Madiba just when Madiba are playing good defense as they always do and getting steals and running out in transition. Yeah, really, really hard to stop. Yeah, um, there wasn't a whole lot of upside for I don't think it's a hot take if I say there wasn't a whole lot of upside for Vidalid to sneak in and steal this one. 
No, Phil was. with 15 and 13, uh, Salvador with 24, um, John Hernandez with 22, Lewis Edwards, welcome back. He was gone for a couple of games, I believe, um, back with a big 21 in 26 minutes. Yeah, yeah man. It was a pretty easy win for a, a very good Madiba team against a sort of understrength Valladolid. Yeah, Um both um, he's still missing still missing Perez, obviously, but yeah, sure. I don't think he would have helped a whole lot. No, both John Hernandez and Lewis with 22 and 21 respectively, both shooting nine from 12. Like if that confluence of numbers doesn't shout fast break layups, I don't really know what yeah. does. So yeah, yeah. You know, tough look for Vidalid, man, but they've just played a couple of good teams in a row while having been undermanned. And I know I went off on them last week, but I think watching them, I think because there wasn't like a previous point on the graph last week to compare it to, I thought they just played really badly, but I think they are just struggling with the players they've got currently. I, I, I think I feel slightly less, harsh towards them now because it's like okay they just don't have the guys for it at the moment yeah they don't have the guys for it and they're playing a team that it's hard to say like I don't actually know where they are in the league currently but it's kind of irrelevant because they've missed a handful of games but like top a top definitely like a top four team in the league at least with a chance to sort of like extend that upwards but yeah man um, not a whole lot going on there no Shout out to Medea, man. I'll apologize again for having doubted you at the start of the season. <laughs> for God's sake. We're <laughs> bringing that up again. Well, it's my shtick at this point. We'll get to the other part of my shtick in a moment. Okay. But in <laughs> the meantime, um, this uh, I think I mentioned this when we posted the results of the polls we did on our Instagram, but we have an exceptionally pro-Gran Canaria following. Um. Basically, all the polls we put out being like who's going to win each game were all like 30-something to one team and like five for the losing team. And everybody turned out to be right because apparently the Spanish League's super predictable. But the Spanish League, unless there's like, because of the way the fixtures are set out, there's like a month and like either half of the season that all the good teams play each other. And yeah. that kind of makes it a bit more interesting. But we're in the part of the league where I think all the good teams are playing all the lower down teams and yeah. you might get like a like an us against Malaga in there but that's yeah. really about it so yeah Gran Canaria got the uh, seemed to have the most devout following because their votes were something like 37 for them and one for Vigo I can't remember who the one for Vigo was but shout out to those guys might have been a Vigo player to be fair you do yeah. see that every so often yeah, when you yeah. go on and if it's split in but, any way it's split from people who are just like who play for that yeah. team and it's like hey you obviously have to do that like I'll come on here and just be pro the team I play for yeah. obviously like because that's how that should work and that's but, definitely how it does work the funny thing is I don't think Gran Canaria ever got this level of support from our podcast listeners even when you were playing there and now everyone's like, hey, I like them way more this year. That's because only eight people listened to us last year and now it's up to about 50, which is yeah. nice. I mean, it's up to the thousands um, <laughs> you're listening to this and you want to sponsor podcasts. Um, but yeah, the... Um, sponsored um, by Simply Safe or Harry's Razors or the Cam app or whatever it is. 
any of the three things that sponsor all the podcasts. Yeah, what is it? Simply safe, hello fresh. Um, uh, it's a mattress one as well. I can't. Oh remember. yeah, Casper mattresses, isn't it? But yeah, going back to those Instagram things, my favorite thing is when the game has. This has happened before. When we'll be like. It didn't happen in this case, but we're talking about this game, so I'll use it as an example. It would be like, who have you got, Gran Canaria or Vigo? And then, like, the Gran Canaria players would finish the game, pick their phones up and vote for themselves. And it's like, yeah, this 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 doesn't count. And all six of you have done it in, within five minutes of each other. Like, what are we getting from it? But anyway. But also, thanks for the clicks. This is another one where it's like, very good team near the top of the league. Actually, I think currently at the top of the league, pending obviously fixtures that were suspended and whatnot. Um, but another one where it's like very good team against the sort of undermanned team. Yeah, sure. And not a whole lot to say about it. Jorge with 19, Nari with 16, other Jorge, Dalazar with 18. And then the rest of it's one of those where we speak about where it's like twos, fours, sixes, and eights that somehow managed to get up to. 81 points total which it always does but like yeah interesting. also massive thing is no Fabian Romo for Amphi which makes a massive difference I still don't think it would have made a difference in the outcome of the game but no, he's number one or number two guy at any given point yeah sure man Vigo had Vigo had two quarters where they didn't get above 10 points and what and the two that they did they scored 11 and 12 so it's you know, we talk about all these weird stat sheets where the the little numbers add up to way more than what you'd expect. But when you look at the quarter by quarter scores, it's very obvious how this one ended up eighty one thirty six. They had two objectively terrible quarters and two that you could maybe survive being your weakest score in a game. Yeah, man. Like we had, we had a ten point quarter in, uh, or. God, it was 10-7. I don't remember whether they had 10 or we had 10 in the... Oh, God, yeah, it was the Malaga game. They beat us 10-7 in the second quarter because they were pressing and we played good enough on defense but just couldn't get anything of any decent quality on offense. And it's like, if that happens for a quarter, you might be all right as long as you score 15-20 to in the others. But yeah. Nah, man, not a whole lot going on here, unfortunately. Yeah. But once again, one of the top teams in the league playing one of the teams near the bottom. That's kind of what happened. I mean, tied, the one thing I just noticed is they tied the second quarter, which is mad. Yeah, that is a bit weird. Um, I don't that, really remember the rotations. I remember very early on two or three subs coming in for Gran Canaria. So, like, that could be what happened. Sure. Yeah, I think the only thing for Gran Canaria at this point is obviously they've had a couple of games being a bit incomplete. Um, Jorge didn't make it back for the first game after Christmas and then Rose has been out and then coming off the bench because she just got back. So you would suspect that going forward, Gran Canaria are going to be full strength. I don't think they've got anybody else coming or going. Uh, Richard Norche didn't travel to Vigo either. So no, he's he's been he's been injured. I don't know if Richard listens to this. Shout out to Richie. Uh, yeah. So yeah, hopefully get to see Gran Canaria at full strength again. And yeah, I mean they've been really good all season. So you would hope, like you say, if the schedule means that they'll be playing some of the stronger teams up next, at least they've kind of got the their absences out of the way while they've been able to bank a few wins. Yeah, that's the thing, like their games being suspended is really upsetting, but then you realize that you had like a Mediba Gran Canaria that teams weren't at full strength. And yeah. that's just like, that's a shame because like 
we do this because we love watching basketball and we love talking about it. And I assume everyone listening to this also enjoys basketball. If not, watch your, watch your angle. But yeah, so I think that's the thing where the games being suspended is a pity. But if the alternative is watching games at not full strength, Although it's not what we're here for. So the more games not at full strength go by, the more chance we've got of getting sponsored by bench units slapped on one of them. The marketing rights itself. Yes. Right. Um, all right. Next game. Yeah, let's do it. Ami Abab Seti, 69. Sevi Burgos, 63. Oh, man. Hell of a game. Burgos are coming. Everybody, <laughs> are they? Everybody laughed at me and might continue to laugh at me, but I feel a lot better about my irrational get behind Burgos stance after this game than I have at any point during the season. Do you? Or does this like does this subscribe to my my theory of surprise games generally just being like, look at that 53% from three and the refs were wild at one point. <laughs> um, like fair once again, this is me being like hmm, Bur- Burgos did well. And I said when we played them when um when Kim was here, I was like, oh, they're gonna they're gonna sneak up on a good team and this might be them sneaking up on the good team like they this might be like they might not beat anyone good but them sort of shooting above their station and getting some weird calls and Amiab shooting 50% from two but only one from eight from three yeah. um is kind of like maybe that was their chance and Amiab managed to pull it out but I don't know what what did you think I thought that a couple of people I've spoken to have said the refing stuff was a big factor. I didn't massively see it that way. I thought Burgos got some stuff in their favour at some point, but also when it was crunch time, there was about six Albacete possessions in a row that either got shooting fouls or like fouls racked up and then ball on the sideline. And you could quibble about number of fouls and concentration within a small period of time, but Albacete probably got them at a time that was more beneficial to them in the game than what Burgos did. So I don't think it's unreasonable to say maybe just call the ref the referee performance a draw for both teams. Outside yeah. of that, Burgos, like, they made big shots. They maybe wouldn't shoot that well all the time, but they weren't like, oh my God, this guy's never hit this shot before in his life and he's made seven of them in a row. They just made some threes from some guys who aren't nothing three-point shooters. Yeah, I think Arredondo had one, which I've never seen before, um, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Like, that's not meant to be disrespectful. That's like a... No, that's just not yeah. his role, usually. Arredondo, yeah, one from one. Um, Lee was four from nine, which is like, Lee can shoot a little bit, but like yeah. four from, like 44% on threes is not... Yeah. Like, they're not his season stats. Yeah. Uh, Machek hit that mad one over Lee near the end but my thing on Burgos is just like so you've gone you hit a three to put it within three I think yeah and then you commit an unsportsmanlike foul on Lee Manning you get away with it because he doesn't make either free throw and then on the sideline out of bounds you just forget to defend Gaz Chowdhury on the elbow yeah like literally just they inbounded through it to him in the elbow like he was like he was training yeah <laughs> he made it and then it was like oh yeah game's over which is yeah. and that's not to say like that's just that's just disappointing that that's kind of what put it to bed and i do believe Al- albacetti in that position 
put it to bed anyway but like they probably get a, a similarly good look out of running an actual play but just to be in a position where you've like managed to hit a three over one of the best and certainly one of the tallest defenders in the world and then you get lucky that someone misses both free throws and then to just not defend someone who you should probably have a chair on. It's just, you know what I mean? Getting away with it and then giving it back like that is disappointing. But 39 minutes of effort undone by two mental lapses in like probably a minute of real time, but like single figure seconds of running game time. Yeah. It is a bit wild, but yeah, that, that three that Marchek hit over Lee, first off, could very easily have been an and one. Uh, I wouldn't have been surprised if that had been called. Or and, a charge. Uh, and then the fact that, like, I don't know, immediately following that possession, Marchek brought it down again and was like, Lee's going to come and get me, so I'll shoot this one earlier. And he so nearly made that one as well. I was like, that. I, I do agree with you that Albacete put it to bed, but that shot going down had it gone down. Or potentially even if that had been called an and one and there'd been a free throw, that might have made it slightly more interesting. Um, but I think the better team generally wins the end, the final minutes of close games. Like That's not a hot take by any stretch. No. So Yeah, that, that was it basically. like It might have been kind of... Fool's gold, but also a lot of fun to have a game like this be so yeah, close. Definitely. But yeah. Uh, but no, that is my my great theory on a lot of like, oh, I didn't know this team were going to be so close. It's like the, the the underdog will shoot a bit better than they normally do and get some calls or some weird stuff, like yeah, more than anything. Although this then fell into our conversation of like the deeper we go, the more we come out on the other side being like, is it just make shots? And like it is and isn't. <laughs> but, yeah, man. Breaking um, news. Ta- little wrinkle from this game. The uh, two Korean guys arrived at Burgos, not in time for this weekend, but in time for the last weekend. Dion Gim played for 39 minutes and the other Korean guy that they brought over it's in his second game just played no minutes. Like, yeah. Surely those guys were brought in to at least be able to like pass some rest around some of the some of the players because they were basically playing five guys all year and now they've got theoretically seven players and didn't bother using one of them who's brand new yeah well no they did just play five guys for most of it like yeah i don't know they still kind of don't have they've got a little bit more depth but this is really kind of just raised their ceiling more than anything else to the point that they might give some good teams some problems, but I don't know if they're going to win any games. Yeah. Meanwhile, Albacete side, just to wrap this, Kyle with 18, uh, Ben with 14, uh, Filipski off the bench with 14, and Filipski and Ben getting a combined 28 on 20 shots is pretty good going. Yeah. Um, so much so that Gaz and Gaz only had nine and Lee only had six. And obviously Gaz hit that one at the end, like you mentioned. So that's worth infinitely more than the two points it's counted for. But yeah, yeah. it's just like, hey, game's over. You have to file us now. Like Albacete is just the the array of weapons is, you know, that's more than anything. The reason that you would be stunned if Burgos were able to upset them. It's like, but 
Albacete have at least three more guys who might get double digit points. Yeah. No, I think that's like, as I said, that's the thing with them. That's why that's like, they don't all need to be playing well yeah. or shooting well. I mean, specifically to pull games out like this, like you've got so much going on. You've got so much ammo, so much talent that someone's going to get it done. Yeah, definitely. And even like, as you say, like it can be Fulitsky that's getting it done for a large period of the game. And then even though Gaz had a sort of quiet game in terms of scoring, yeah, he's going to make that shot because he's Gaz Chaudhry. Like, what are we doing? Exactly. Yeah, last thing while we're on this game is we put out saying because we awarded the inaugural bench units belt to Soren Muller of Munsterland, who had their game cancelled, we asked you guys if he should have to vacate it and the belt would be up for grabs, or if he gets to keep it. Um, you guys were feeling generous, and Soren Muller gets to keep the belt until such a time that he's able to defend it. But I think had the belt been up for grabs, had the belt been a free agent, Lee Fryer might have been one of the top contenders for it, because I don't think anyone saw this performance coming, and that's no. a large factor in us deciding. Yeah, considering it is just based purely off vibes and nothing yeah. else. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, potentially so. But because we are not giving the belt out, we are not talking about it because it's more fun that way. Yeah. Because um, giving someone the potential to have the belt is basically just it's the same conversation. So I, I don't want to have it unless there's a unless there's a belt up for grabs, even though that's a real hypothetical thing as well. <laughs> Yeah. All right, shall we move on? Let's do it. Okay, Alunion 63, Mercia 43. So this was close at halftime. It was 30-27, if I remember correctly. Yes, I believe I do, um, if I remember or can do maths correctly. Um, and then it was not. <laughs> it was close, and then it, it kind of gave me an impression of an Alunion team that were kind of just struggling and then turned it on, figured it out. Yeah, I think this was the this was a case of Illunion having a little bit of show up and will win syndrome. You think so? Yeah, um, they started a lineup. They I don't think I've ever seen. No, I think they have it wrong on the stats. They started Danny Diaz, Greg, Bill, uh, Sarah, and Terry. That's what right. I was wondering because I sat and watched that, and it was still. Starting way under points would be a reason why this game might have ended up so close, but no, no, they started. Okay, that's why I took this written down wrong. That's what I took this as because I only caught from about within three minutes of halftime of this game because I'd been watching you guys. But yeah, yeah no, no, no. In that case, I I stand by my show up and win syndrome comment even more because if they're rolling that lineup out and still can only be three up on Mercier at halftime, that screams to me that they might not have been taking this game entirely seriously. Yeah. It was like the thing we spoke about in the last game where sometimes it's just the lower down team plays up a bit and the team that should be winning by a lot plays down. But the whole landing the first punch and getting them off balance, cliche kind of thing. Yeah, like Joaquin Robles came out and started playing quite well. But like also Mercia are not the team that, we played at the start of the season, like Philip Halfley is there now. Like when we played them, for example, and we blew, I was like looking at that being like, yeah, but we blew them out by what felt like a million. They didn't have... They're, I think they were missing three starters. in. Yeah, they didn't have Beatrice Zidaire. They didn't have 
Joaquin, Joaquin Robles and also Lalo Prieto had three falls in the first quarter, so didn't play and, the second quarter. And or, Philip Halfley hadn't joined them at that point. That's what I mean. Like, he might be their second best player, like immediately. Yeah. As soon as they around. came out and like were pinging the bar, pinging the ball around and hit some shots, and Illunion were kind of struggling, but they kind of did that thing where they went from Danny Diaz and Sarah to uh, Danny Sticks and uh, a three to see if that worked. And then they went two threes to see if that worked. And you know what I mean? And they have enough. It's a thing of maybe not on the same level as Albacete, which we'll get to see down the end of the league. Um, But that thing of they have options and something will probably work. But yeah, man. But even if you look at this, like Greg ate from 13, Terry ate from 15, Bill ate from 13, like, yeah, they just did a lot of scoring. 18, 17, and 18 from those three guys. They just got nothing from anyone else. Six that's... from Diaz, two from um, Amadou, and two from Francisco Garcia Quiles, who yeah. has just signed for them recently. Yeah, that would worry me a little bit if I was a Lunion. Obviously, I don't think we talked about this uh, last time out because we had a lot of stuff to round up, but Jake Williams has confirmed he's not joining them in January as some people would were expecting so yes. the fact that you're seeing almost all of their scoring minus 10 points come from three guys might not bode particularly well for when they do go up against some of the heavyweights yeah that's yeah that that could be an issue potentially it also might not like you can get like if you get down to the final four and you get two big games from sort of supporting piece A or B. Like if you have a big Amadou game and then you have like a big Danny Diaz game, you might be in business. That's the thing. Because you're going to get like, I don't know if it's still the case, but there was a point at the start of the league that the top score of the league sort of fluctuated between Terry and Greg. So like you're going to get what you're going to get from them. Um, Bill Latham chips in fairly fairly consistently. So that might be enough, but I just, I was quite surprised that it took them so long to get over the hump with these guys, but yeah, yeah. that's also a really long travel and like that can be a thing. I don't know, yeah. but all I will say is if you're hang- hanging your hopes for the season on a big game from Danny Diaz, <laughs> I wish you all the best. Yeah, he's all right. He's going to have a big one at some point. I'm calling it. Okay. And that'll be, that'll be about the same time Burgos land a big win. All right. Shall we move on to Germany? Let's do it. Okay, so first German game, Landil, Hanover, and it finished... Uh, 76-56. So, you like my not knowing where to look for the score? <laughs> the, these stats are in, like, monochrome, and it's ridiculous. Um, Dear Germany, put your games on YouTube and your stats on FIBA Live Stats. <laughs> some, of your, some of their stats are on FIBA Live Stats, but they're just paused in the middle of the second quarter for some <laughs> Yeah, we're absolutely look, absurd. Looking at this, being like, "How did this game end fourteen to seven with only like, This is our plea: let people who like wheelchair basketball enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> Allow people to consume the product. It's like yeah. the most professional league in the world in a lot of aspects. And to be fair, like I don't know, having your games on Sport TV might be like financially really cool and really viable like i'm not sure that might be like the equivalent of having it somewhere 
like massive in yeah like BBC maybe yeah so I don't I don't know but maybe I'm just like from the outside I don't speak German and I want to be able to click on a website that I can understand to watch yeah. the games maybe that's it maybe that's maybe it's ignorance but yeah, um, that's on YouTube, please. <laughs> we probably don't know, but we'll get to Hamburg and Skywheelers in a bit because their games, Hamburg do put their games on YouTube reliably. So shout out to Thank them. God. Um, game. Favorite German team by default <laughs> on that front. Um, <laughs> yeah, this one was interesting, man. Like, we've obviously spoken Hanover a fair bit recently. Um, we spoke to Mariska the other day. Um, we were both quite intrigued with the Amit Vigoda. Arrival and wondering what that might turn them into. Um, we've potentially got Jan Haller coming to talk to us at some point. Spoiler. That'd be fun. So we're very um, pro Hamburg at this point. But yeah, they unsurprisingly didn't have the firepower to keep up with Landil for a full game, although they gave it a good go for the first half. Yeah, um, man. I think this is an interesting one because I don't know if, if you see this a lot in Spain, but there's a real. I think at most levels of wheelchair basketball, because it's a relatively small community, a lot of established players will go out of their way to try and shut down the new kid on the block. And I think I saw a good bit of that in Landil, the way they defended Amit Vigoda. He caught the ball and they were like, hey, wouldn't it look good for us if this guy only had four points after the entire game? Yeah, I don't know if that's like an optics thing. <laughs> I think that's a hey, this guy's good and will score if uh, we don't stop him scoring. Do you think it's like? Do you think it's anything else than that? Or yeah, I do. Like, I think it's maybe. I think maybe it's less obvious with with the wheelchair basketball thing because there's less media coverage. But I think if you look like NBA wise, you see the games that are like Golden State and Memphis, and that's when. Steph Curry like goes out of his way to have a good game against Jar or like try and pull some crazy highlight out. Or I think Steph even did the thing where someone asked him whose game reminded him of his own and he said Darius Garland over Trey Young. And it's like, hey, come on, man, you obviously, surely you don't think that. You just don't want to give the credit to the next guy up. Um, I think it, I think it is a thing. And I think if you watched the Landil Hanover game back with that in mind, you might see it if you haven't watched it already. Um, oh, maybe well, I'll give it another. Yeah, give it another. I, 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 I thought mean, it was just a very intentional, like, hey, no, this guy doesn't get going. Yeah, I think it, it's an element of both, but it wouldn't surprise me if some of the Landil vets are like, hey, let's take this guy out. Let's not get it. Let's not let him get ahead of himself. Um, uh. I, I don't know. I, I, that's interesting. This but is this is very good. Bill Simmons comment being like, "Hey, what about the game within the game?" <laughs> now that this is all speculation, but I and I don't know if any of the guys involved would admit that, but it could also <laughs> be that you know we spoke to Yannick and he was like, "Lando will watch more film than anyone he's ever been a part of," so maybe it is just that they actually do what they should rather than yeah imagine if this was just like what game planning and executing at the highest level looked like we've cracked it every time you game plan and execute well it looks like everyone on your team has a personal vendetta with somebody on the other side wow it's almost like those guys are all on the same page yeah <laughs> and then they have the defensive personnel and chair skills and discipline yeah. to be able to just be like nope this guy's not getting going because yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Like a lot of teams have 
have something where I've I've been on teams before where they've been like, okay, so this team gets 70% of their points from these three guys. If we just take one of them out, yeah. they get to 50 odd and then we win a basketball game. So that's, yeah. that's quite often a thing, but yeah, 18 from Jan Haller, 11 from Jan Sadler, only two from Jan Gans, the, the, the lowest points of the three Jans, <laughs> which is something that I am keeping an eye on. The three Jans, mate. It. It's like, like the, like an orange Cerberus or something. Is it Cerberus, the dog from Hercules with the three heads? Just one, yes. one of those things in a, um, in a Hanover uniform. Um, but Only yeah. 27, four threes, if I can understand German stats correctly. Um, and we had a conversation with Mendel about his little, I say little, his very cool, like pump fake sidestep dribble letting a three go and that's not a very common thing in the wheelchair basketball game because it takes either a massive amount of strength to shoot it or unbelievable chair skills if not both and he gets it off so quickly as well man he's i i love how sort of how ready to shoot the three he is because i don't know i think teams should shoot more threes i actually think this is an incredibly niche category and maybe it links back to we talked to yannick about how land will probably have two of the three best tough shot makers in the world in Tommy and Brian Bell. I think yeah. Tommy might have the best hand-eye coordination of any wheelchair basketball player in the world. And if he does, I think Brian Bell might be second. That might be the secret behind all of this. Hand-eye coordination. Yeah, they're just like very highly skilled individuals, yeah. aren't they? But yeah, the the ability to like pump fake it, put the ball on the floor, move not laterally, obviously, because you can't in a wheelchair, so you have to turn 90 degrees, move forward, square up again, and let it go. You either have to manage to do that on the road or just let it go fairly stationary, and either of those things are very hard to do. So it's um, very, very cool. Other favorite stat sheet nugget from this one is Hero Kozai. I looked at this after having watched the game, and he only had seven points, and I was in, like, not... Disbeliefs may be a bit strong, but I watched the stretch back because he hit two or three huge shots and all seven of his points were start of the third quarter when Landil pulled away because yeah. it was a five-point game at halftime. And it, it's like the most Landil thing in the world because they have so much depth. But to be in a close game at halftime and like look down the bench, be like, hey, guys, quick survey. Who's got seven quick points in them? And we can put this one to... <laughs> If if that's the way they did things, um, but yeah, shout out to them, man. And like, this was a twenty point game. It was re- it was really hard fought and really competitive, and especially in the first half. But depth wins out, man. That's yeah. What this game Landil has so much quality. Like the thing that's come up three times already, where it's like you've just got so many guys that can get it done in any given day. That there you go, three of them are gonna have it. Or two of them are going to have it on any given day, and that will be enough. And you've got like such framework to be successful as well, because like you've got the guys that do all the other bits all the time, anyway. So yeah, man. Yeah, it was. um, I don't think this game takes anything away from Hanover, and we're not Hanover homers now. But this was very obviously best team in the league by a long way versus decent third place team, I thought. Yeah, I was going to say it doesn't take anything away from them because Landil are just clearly on a different level. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And speaking of places within the league, 
Thuringen Bulls versus Rhine River Rhinos. So that's second place and fourth place. Um, weird one. So end of first quarter, 21 all. A little bit surprising, I would say. Halftime, yeah. 39-32. I think anyone in a Rhinos uniform at that point is probably feeling not too bad about that. Yeah. And then it goes 60 to 42. So that's a 21 10 third quarter and finishes up 79 56. So game over. That got out of hand quickly. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Thuringen doing their usual thing. Uh, Vahid, Golamazada, and um, Alexander Haluski with 23 and 18 as per usual. And the rest of it was kind of scoring by committee, I think. Yeah, man. Um, and on the Rhine River Rhinos side, shout out to Aaron Young, who had 26. That was a massive game. She hit some huge like bailout getting towards the end of the shot clock. Oh, yeah. Keep them in the game. Um, she had a real good one. Our guy Chase Wolf with 10. And outside of that, it got to be slim pickings for Rhinos fairly quickly. Um, and yeah, they've kind of got by on size against some weaker teams. And you're not going to get by on size against the ring, I think is is probably fair to say. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it, we did this throwing thing last week, I think, but Jordy Ruiz wasn't there and he's back this week and he only had eight points and they still run a good, competent team out by 20. Yeah, they are very good and very physically able is the big thing I think yeah. for those guys. Like they're they're very good and very skilled and also massive. Yeah, and that- <laughs> at all times. And they play. Obviously, they play Yitzka, who is like a tall one who's playing point and a half under, and two physically able two fives with those two absolute beasts on the floor as well. Man, like it's a lot to deal with. I don't have this fact to hand, but I would feel confident in saying 26 by Aaron Young might be the most a women's player has ever had against Thuringen because that they, like you outlined with the physicality there, you would be surprised for any female player who plays primarily like a, a big to be getting 26 up on those guys. Yeah. And I'm trying to, th- like, I don't. Rise to the challenge, Mariska. Yeah. Or, yeah. or or hope Canaries get a crossover with them and Rose can go off in yeah. <laughs> if it's the Champions Cup this year. Yeah. If. Cool. Um, right, we'll go on to the next one because after a couple of weeks in a row of being like, hey, how exactly are Hamburg getting to 90 points? Man, did they show us? <laughs> because this one was to 100 this one was wild because not only did hamburg give up 94 whole points they scored 100 of their own so this might be the highest combined score in a wheelchair basketball game i've ever seen uh, unconfirmed it's be up there yeah, yeah i can't think of a higher one off the top of my head um not in, not in any of the big leagues for a while yeah. i would say um so yeah this was completely and utterly nuts uh, Moji Kamali, who was second in line for the belt last week, probably would have had it this week. Oh yeah, I would. He had forty-two, but yes. Soren Muller gets gets it over him without even leaving his house. Soren <laughs> Muller, you've gotten away with it. Um, yeah, um, yeah forty-two for Kamali, twenty-seven for Kaimola, uh, twelve for Martin Steinhardt, and 
Um, Ali Amadi, who's their player coach, was rolling back the ears on this one. I don't know if you saw, saw any of this, but he banged a couple of threes, dribbled, yeah, through, dribbled through a two-man press and just ran a layup straight down the middle like he was scrimmaging. Um, it was yeah, a very good game, and it was cool to see the entire second half or maybe last quarter going into overtime until... Um, Ali Amadi was out. Was he filed out? Or yeah, yeah filed. So. Yeah, he, he filed out. I was wondering. I assumed that was why, but I don't speak German, so I wasn't <laughs> able to follow it. Um, but yeah, I assumed he wouldn't have just been taken out. But they were running Ali Amadi and Moji Kamali two man game on one side with Kai Muller behind the double screen on the weak side, and Kai ended up with twenty seven, which is a massive game. So yeah, I, that was I super cool to see. Anytime that a team, and this isn't. I don't necessarily think that playing not wing pick and rolls all the time is the best thing to do or the worst thing. To do. I just like any time a team's like, no, we're going to do something unconventional and we're going to do it for 15 minutes rather than as a play for one offense. And I'm, I'm interested in it just as someone who wants to see wheelchair basketball played in weird and different ways and wants to see the game being diver- diversified. And like people have run double screens before, but it's normally like, a, hey, we've got a set to run or we've ended up in a double screen, but they kind of seem to run that for the last quarter and then or the, the second half and then as much as they got before Ali Amadi got filed out. But Yeah, I, I, did, I did like the idea because I couldn't follow initially whether he was fouled out or as player coach if he was like, hey, I need two minutes here so I can see what's going on and try and reevaluate, but I quite like the idea of him having a hot game and being like, well, I've shown everything I need to. I'll sub myself out and sit over here now. Yeah, like, hey, <laughs> Oblivious uh, to a close overtime game, just being like, well, I think I've proved my point. Yeah. Um, uh, other side of the ball, Katharina Lang is an absolute badass. And yeah. Hit some big, big shots. Kim Robbins, exactly the same. Hit some mad ones, man. That three. Yeah, he hit some big ones. Yeah. And the... I, there's two Deirdricks on Skywheelers. I think it was Tim Deirdrick, maybe hit the spinning on the spot three to put it into the second overtime. <laughs> and, oh my god! Pulling that, he like shot it and was spinning so fast that he had done a full three sixty and was squared up again yeah. by the time the ball <laughs> went in, which is absolutely mad. Yeah. Also, them managing to go, um, make free throw, miss the second one the rebound was chased down all the way into the corner. Like it wasn't like a put back straight from the lineup. Like it was the ball went in the worst possible place. They managed to go get it back. I'm sorry. I don't remember off the top of my head who went and got it and kicked it back out and shooting that on the spin is completely (laughs) nuts. Yeah, it was mad. And then there was the, I think Ayaka posted this, that um, Moji Kamali meant to miss his, second free throw in the first overtime so that yeah. um, Skywheelers would have to take the live rebound and try and get a shot up with three seconds left, like going the length of the court. And he made the second free throw by accident. <laughs> <laughs> so when, funny. When you're hot- rattled about so much, how good do you need to be for the ball to like roll about like the golf ball in Space Jam when they're pulling <laughs> it with a magnet and still go in the basket? Yeah, it was, it was mad. If you haven't watched this game, like... It's ridiculous because this is probably the game we that's been the most fun and we would love to give the most coverage to, but you absolutely can't give 
like excruciating detailed coverage on 50 solid minutes of basketball rather than 40. No, um, I actually considered doing the thing that like I've heard some podcasts do where they've just like started and be like, okay, down the stretch, three minutes to go in the yeah. game. This play happened, this play happened, and we might do that at some point, yeah. but we'd probably need to do it on a game that people had requested. Yeah, sure. Or like I've mentioned because it's a lot to do for yeah. something that people would be like, nah, I don't care. Yeah, and we, we definitely, like, yeah, we definitely can't to- tag that on to the end of a podcast where we've been talking for like 45 minutes already. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd be we'd get into a lot of depth and get carried away. Um, but yeah, shout out to Hambo, man. They, I think watching this game, you just would not believe, I think we said this last week, you would not believe they're anywhere near the bottom of the league. And you certainly watching these two teams who I think were second and third from bottom. If you just watched this game, you would be like, oh, well, the German league is obviously the best league in the world. If these, if these teams are like ranked sixth and seventh or whatever they might be. Yeah. I have been watching these couple of teams in the sort of middle of the German league this year and being like, Hey, how well would they do in Euro cups against Spanish teams? And yeah, I'd be interested to know. Yeah. No. Hopefully Euroleagues happen so we can find out. Yeah, we should. Um, I think that's all the games wrapped. So we should probably mention the Euro Cup situation. Um, for yes. anyone who doesn't know, the preliminary round of Euro League, which is normally played at the start of March and feeds into which teams make which finals and how the various cups stack up. Um, that's been cancelled under kind of COVID precautions, I guess. Um, so there's going to be a whole rejigging and there's now effectively only the finals spots left open, assuming the finals go ahead, which I think is the plan currently. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot Crossed. There's a lot less spots to compete in EuroCup and IWF are going to have to pick who gets there somehow, which is an unenviable task to say the least. And yeah, hard luck to anyone who, who misses out on that one because that yeah. sucks. I still like the idea of just whoever does well in Ayaka's quiz, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is something that this is something that got floated to us at one point by someone who I, I, I assume would prefer to remain anonymous. So, uh, which is a great idea. But it, I just like the idea of the IWF officials looking at the group by group, and they're definitely not going to be doing this because they're not allowed and wouldn't anyway. But I love the idea of them looking at the various groups and be like, hey, come on, guys, this team was obviously going to win all these games. Let's just shove them through the fire. Like, I, can't, I think um, Mandel's team is in, is in EuroLeague 3, right? And they've got yeah. a load of teams from like the Czech Republic and Bosnia and God knows where else. And it's like, hey, let's give, let's give the group win to a team that plays in an actual league. An actual league, that, yeah. but yeah, no, I, I do. It's funny because like most people could probably look at the groups and be like, ah, I think it's roughly going to shake out like that. But the wiggle room in that is literally why anyone cares about sports. Yeah. <laughs> you like you can't, you can't just do that. But they've seeded the qualification groups based on previous points, so I imagine that'll have something to do with it. But anyway, I hope everyone just gets to play some form of EuroLeague basketball and no one feels too hard done by what by what is a pretty tough spot to be in. So, yeah, we'll see. Cool. On that note, we shall get out of here. Um, we don't have an episode coming this Thursday because they are on alternate Thursdays now. 
if you want to hit us up with ideas for what we should talk about on Thursday next week, then yeah, we're open to it. We'll either haul a guest in or we'll get down and dirty and do some X's and O's or some analysis stuff or whatever it may be. So just let us hear. Yeah. Send us topics, questions, stuff you'd like us to talk about, because there's no point us guessing if we could actually get to the heart of what (laughs) people can tell us they want to hear. So yeah, let us know. And we'll talk to you all next week. Thank you so much for listening. Have a good week and yeah, take it easy. Peace.